As we're walking through and discovering Jesus in every book of Scripture, there's something about a greater awareness of the knowledge of God and the nature of God that results. And so we're, we're looking at this next season, really walking through the five books of wisdom in Scripture. And so that's our focus, wisdom. I believe we're coming into a season of great wisdom. Everybody say it with me, wisdom. We're coming into a season of great wisdom. The Bible says if you uh, don't have wisdom, ask for it, and God will give it to you abundantly in the book of James. And so I want us to focus in and really embrace a greater revelation of wisdom, and uh, all the Bible is full of abundance of wisdom, but these specific five books are the wisdom books of Scripture. So we'll understand that as we uh, walk this out over these next several weeks and see where Jesus is in each one of those books and what we're to embrace and what's to be awakened in that regard. But why, honestly, why do we need wisdom? How many of you agree we need wisdom? Can I just see, how many of you before have used wisdom and you were really glad? How many of you have lacked wisdom and you were really sad? And so wisdom is a really important component. I thought this clip showed a good indication of uh, wisdom. No, 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 and Planet of the Apes was born. Okay. <laughs> wisdom. We really need wisdom. I mean, that guy lacked wisdom. Let me just give you a little bit of advice. Don't give a monkey a machine gun, okay? Uh, what a wild, you know, I saw that. I just thought, you got to be kidding me. Here's the thing. Some people make such unwise decisions, they don't even need a devil to destroy their own life. It's just so true. I believe if we learn to walk in greater wisdom, then many times we defeat the enemy in advance before we have to walk through the storm that the enemy is trying to plan for our lives. So, uh, great statement, tweetable. This is your first blank. Biblically impoverished people live poorly constructed lives. We've talked about this phrase uh, in different ways over the years but it is such a reality. Would you mind just saying it with me? Biblically impoverished people live poorly constructed lives. Biblically impoverished marriages, biblically impoverished friendships, biblically impoverished anything, we live those poorly constructed lives. <clears throat> you can have incredible potential. You can have amazing dreams. But if you lack wisdom, think about it. You can have phenomenal potential, amazing dreams, but if you lack wisdom, then you do not possess what you need for God to take you where he's trying to get you in your life and in your future and in your destiny. So it's extremely obvious when a person begins to use wisdom, biblical wisdom begins to be applied in their everyday lives, things begin to change, right? Things just begin to transform in amazing ways. And, and let me just say to all you men in the house, I believe that this is a season for the men of destiny to step up into a greater place of understanding who they are in Christ and who God is in our lives. 
And I believe the men of this place need to be crowned with a greater wisdom that we might be led into a greater place of what God's calling us to enter into in this next season. And a lot of that focus is going to uh, be released, and, and you know we're going to talk about it in terms of information, but I'm really believing, I am praying and believing for great impartation this Friday night at our men's event. I'm going to ask if all of our men will please prioritize this, if at all possible, you can sign up out there with uh, Pastor Nathan and a few guys with the TVs playing some man movies. I don't know what they've got going up there, but uh, you can get signed up, and you're, you're going to be the judges. We're going to have a chili cook-off, and all those things are going to be great and fun, but it's, there's something really important for us to embrace in this game. This is not just a nice little get-together for the guys, okay? We're believing for the kingdom to expand in our hearts. And we're going to hear an incredible story. I want to give you just a glimpse of it. We see Andrew many times greeting and smiling. And, How are you doing? You heard him before, right? And so every time you greet Andrew, you're going to hear that. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit of his story. You'll be shocked to hear his full story. Here's just a brief snippet. You know, I'm really thankful to be at the church that I'm at. I consider these people my family. My parents are dead. My grandparents are dead. And, you know, I've got a brother in Colorado, but I don't really ever talk to him. So now I got family of God, and that's just, they've done more for me than anybody ever has in my whole life. So much good has happened to me since then. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I did, you know, four and a half years, four and a half years on a 10 year sentence. So I, uh, been clean for six years, and now I'm out getting my life straight. So I've been out for a year. Like I said, I, now I own my own house. Two cars and a Harley, and I'm further along than I've ever been in my whole life. I've never been this good. Come on, let's just celebrate transformation in people's lives in a wonderful, wonderful way. We're going to hear uh, more of his story and kind of where he's coming from and what God's doing in his life as we gather this Friday night. But I just want to point out, because Sharon, you won't be there unless you dress up like a dude and sneak in. Um, but he, <laughs> uh, much of his story talks about this individual who made a dramatic impact on his life, and, and her name is Sharon Brown. And I want to honor you today, Sharon, and tell you we love you and appreciate you so very much. <clears throat> I really think it's important that we go to church. I really think it's important that we be the church. And your personal ministry into the lives of other people is the church. When we come to church, our lives are enriched. When we become the church, our world is enriched. Are you enriching the world around you? We need wisdom to do that, to walk that out every day in our lives. So would you please, uh, guys, just raise your hand if you're a dude. Raise your hand, dudes of all ages, okay? I want to invite you to come. I see those hands. Thank you for all those commitments. Friday night, 7 o'clock. Be great. But today we're going to start in this first book of wisdom, the book of Job. You might not think of Job as a book of wisdom. You might think of it as the book of pain. But let me just point something out as we celebrate a football win this past Friday night. One of the best games I've ever been to. <laughs> Coach, you ever make my heart race like that again, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, it was an amazing four quarters and two overtimes for the state championship, and it came down to just a few seconds on the clock, and we were eight points behind, and uh, 
we went, you know, like the third down, we, we went for it and we missed it in like just seconds coming down on the clock. Their team started celebrating. Their coaches started running out. Our team hiked the ball and ran it in for a touchdown. We got the two-point conversion to tie the game, sending us into overtime. <laughs> so the moral of that story is don't celebrate too early. And then uh, in overtime, we tied it. They hit, you know, they hit it, we tied it. And then double overtime, we hit it. They missed it and state champs. So uh, I want to ask Destiny football team, uh, if you're here, coach also, would you stand? Players and coach, listen, we want to honor you guys and say congratulations, guys. Looking good. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this isn't just the state championship. This is four years in a row, state championship. So you're doing a great job, coach. We appreciate you so much. And as I was standing out in the lobby, somebody came by and they said, uh, what an incredible game. That's the kind of game nobody wants to miss. How many of you would agree that's the kind of game nobody wants to miss? And we feel that way about what we're watching, but we don't understand that about how we're living. And in a game, it's like if, you, if all you ever do is just like run rule everybody and there's really never any competition and then the game's just not that exciting. The fans just kind of sit there and go, oh, yeah, awesome, and bravo. Another win, another championship. But it's when it starts to be the nail biter and you're clutching your chest and you're screaming, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> Russell, can you stop shooting the ball and pass it to KD? And KD's on the bench now because he's injured. You know, I mean, we all have our, I mean, how many of you know we are excellent coaches from the stands, like totally out of shape, but man, we're the experts on what they should be doing on the field. And so, like, life gets, you know, interesting, and all these things start happening, and it's in those moments in time, it's in the difficult moments in time that we actually learn more about God, maybe more importantly, more about ourselves as we're learning more about God than any other time in our lives. The book of Job is about that. And if you realistically look at this book, <clears throat> it's this big, long book in this little bitty window of suffering, and then a full expression I mean, all the years of his life, you got to understand, Job, uh, and I want to talk about how long he lived and, and why that's accurate, biblically speaking, kind of puts a question in our minds at times, but his whole life is like this long, and his suffering was like this long, and all we talk about is Job's suffering. I just want to say, I want to talk about Job's blessing. Job was very blessed, a blessed man of God. And so... It's kind of the way we manage our own suffering, isn't it? All we, I mean, like a little bit of suffering, lots of awesome life, and we just kind of focus in on the suffering. All we do is focus on the pain. Listen very carefully. When you focus on the pain, you're prone to miss the point. We, we need to stop focusing on the pain and really learn what God's trying to do in devoting ourselves to a greater place of attention in our pursuit of Him. Jesus is revealed in the book of Job very specifically by suffering that is followed by blessing. That's how Jesus is revealed in the book of Job. 
Jesus endured the cross and suffered and was risen from the grave as he was blessed. And that blessing not only was his blessing, but our blessing and the blessing of all humanity if we are willing to embrace the truth about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the church today, our modern world church, and I'm deeply convicted about this, constantly inviting input, really exploring this. But let's just be honest, modern day theology today is largely driven and shaped by our love for money, not our love for Jesus. And I believe God's purifying the heart and the motives of the church. If we'll wake up to this reality, I believe the church will explode, the kingdom will expand, lost people will get saved, dead people will be raised from the dead, sick people will be healed, tormented people will be delivered. Let the church wake up. Let the church wake up. And I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about us. It's easy to talk about other people and talk about how they, no, this is us. We just start here. We just start here. I just start with me. You can't control anybody else, you can control you. And here's the thing, truth problems, truth problems are the true problems behind our issues. Our issues are really not our problems, it's the truth problem. Behind every sin you commit is a lie you believe. Think about that. Behind every sin you commit is a lie you believe. And this is why it is imperative. It's going to be your action point for the day. I'm not going to give a whole lot of emphasis here. But guys, you have, whether you actually realize this or not, but you have embraced me as your pastor. You have embraced this leadership team as your pastoral covering, and we're seeking God so that Jesus will be all of our pastor. That's that's the goal in all of this. And we have come to resolve that we are deeply convicted that our people need to get deeper in the Word of God. I don't want you to merely have a digital relationship with Scripture. I want you to have a legacy relationship with Scripture. I'm asking you to turn the page, get an old-fashioned Bible, put the dates in the top. You should have something written about Paris in your your Bible this weekend so that when your children's children are looking back and reading where you are praying and seeking God and pursuing God, there's a legacy and heirloom. I'm not just talking about for you. I'm talking about for your children's children who will be inspired by your life to serve Him. Let an unborn generation be inspired by our faith and our love for the Lord and our love for God's Word. And this is so important to me and to us, because truth problems are the true problems behind our issues. And so if we can get a more meaningful relationship with God's Word, then we'll begin to embrace wisdom on another level. Now, I just, I want to, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, if you will, but not necessarily. I want us to understand something. I'm tracking all the political stuff pretty closely, personally. You may or may not, but you know, you hear all the conversations going in every direction, and And there's right now a lot of heat on Ben Carson for a statement he made about the pyramids being built to contain wheat. Anybody been hearing this? And so, like, you hear the, you know, all the news broadcasts are saying, yeah, uh, you know, what an idiot. He believes that they actually built the pyramids to to hold the wheat in the time of of plenty, you know, the time of famine to follow. And and he, like, he believes in the Bible, how ridiculous that is. And, And listen, if you're not careful then you will naively start to buy into these, and these are two tracks of thinking, and you jump ship into a track of thinking and start feeling like, yeah, can we really believe the Bible? 
You almost start to think, well, that, you know, obviously this story about Joseph isn't even true. But let me just point something out, just so you understand with clarity. Ben Carson's talking about what he believes in terms of the purpose of the pyramid. There's no question that there was a season of uh, seven years of, of plenty and seven years of famine and the restoring of the wheat. The question that the news is hitting is were the pyramids built to store the wheat? And archaeologically, there is evidence that wheat has been found in the pyramid. But many believe that it's actually a burial ritual for the pharaohs. I mean, let's understand the, the pyramids were, were actually created to preserve the pharaohs. I mean, that's, a, that's with clarity. Whether they used them to store wheat or not, whether they stored the wheat somewhere else, who knows? But listen, the Bible is true. Don't start getting naive on me, hearing something like this, and then saying, well, yeah, you can't really trust all of the Scripture, can you? I'm here to say you can trust Genesis through Revelation. God's Word is God's Word, and we love His Word. We embrace His Word. We trust His Word. We are deeply convicted to the point of death, if that is required, that God's Word is true. Truth. Might not be popular, but it's true. So when you start reading in the book of, of Job, what I'm trying to do is empower you to study Scripture. I don't want to just inspire you with the five nice reasons to you know, smile a lot, and here's the research of the smile, and I always tie stuff in like that, but I've just been too focused on that in years past, and I've stepped back and realized I need to focus on His Word. And I want to empower you to be students of His Word. I want you to study the Word. I want you to read through your Bible and know God's Word. And when you start reading things in the book of Job, like he lived 140 years after the tragedies, making him more than 200 years old, if you're not careful, you naively conclude, yeah, well, you can't really believe the Bible, can you? More than 200 years old. And let me just, again, I'm trying to equip you and empower you to be able to embrace Scripture. Uh, history and, and evaluating this book, we don't have a whole lot of information in the context of the book of Job, but we do believe for a lot of different research that we could point out that Job lived in the time of Abraham. And there's something interesting that you read. Have you ever read in your Bible and like Methuselah and, and other people like hundreds of years old? Yeah, 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 yeah. Has anyone here ever met somebody 700 years old? Obviously, you can't believe your Bible. If you're not careful, you start naively drawing those conclusions. Let me explain something to you. Scientifically, I'm not even going to talk to you from Christian science or Christian scientific point of view. I'm going to talk to you for a moment from a secular scientist point of view. I love this type of stuff. I have entered into and have been a part of a debate uh, on a university campus, University of Central Oklahoma, with uh, the, the doctor of professor there, and, and we entered into a televised debate, debate that was in a forum of students looking on, and we talked about evolution and creation, and I love looking at where science aligns and expresses truth, and I like evaluating where we have questions with an honest evaluation, and I believe there are times we need to say, I don't know that I really understand that, I have to trust God, but most of the time, that is not the case, and many times, I believe we as Christians don't understand that, we kind of resolve, well, well, you know, I'm just, I just don't know about that, and maybe you're right. No, God's Word is true. So let me just explain something to you. Secular scientists concur that the earth had an entirely different atmosphere once upon a time. 
reptilian flyers could not fly in the atmosphere that exists in yours and my world today. Do you understand that? We do believe in dinosaurs. They're in the book of Job, actually. Uh, we do believe in reptilian flyers. We see all this information from you know, museums and so on. Yes, that did exist. Please don't, please don't go out in ignorance and just say, I don't believe in anything that I've not ever understood or asked questions about. We understand that. And reptilian flyers could not fly in the existing atmosphere as it is. In fact, the Dallas Cowboys have a chamber, a hyperbaric chamber, and uh, injured players get in that chamber and their body heals so much faster in the hyperbaric chamber. Where's the hyperbaric chamber come from? It actually, uh, the idea, if you look on, online, if you'd like to just look this up sometime, genesispark.com, book of Genesis in the park, genesispark.com, they did all kinds of research. They basically went back and tried to formulate an understanding, and an idea out of the book of Genesis, what kind of atmosphere existed in the original creation of the earth, and out of that, these Christians formed uh, these, these different hyperbaric chambers on a mass scale and a huge uh, arena there with very enriched oxygen, very thick atmosphere, and what they have done has been amazing. You'll see huge uh, plant life when you, when you clue in there and you see it, but, but they have, let's see, where is my note? Here's my note. It's coming up real soon. I don't see it on here, but there was a, a tomato plant in this atmosphere. They, they grew a tomato plant in this atmosphere. I'm shooting from the hip here. But this tomato plant in six months grew to be like really tall. To they, no, they don't call it a tomato plant. They call it a tomato tree. And it produced more than 30,000 ripe tomatoes in the course of six months. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I just don't believe it. it, it it's science. It's accurate. Okay, this is true. Let me tell you how it happens. God created the earth with an atmosphere that was to sustain us eternally. And it had a canopy vapor. Secular scientists agree tropical plant life has been discovered in places where tropical plants do not grow. What that means is the earth had an entirely different atmosphere. If you want to read your Bible from this perspective, read your Bible before the flood and after the flood. Because something major happened to the atmosphere of the earth after the flood. And this canopy vapor that used to protect us from the UV rays of the sun and sustain life and, and produce all kinds of vegetation and growth like the Garden of Eden, you know, we, we kind of envision could be. It's a totally different atmosphere and completely sustained people for eternity. But when Adam sinned, something shifted, something began to change, and we see diminishing years of life. And when the flood came, we see greatly diminishing years of life. But Abraham and Job, following after the flood, there was a fallout, I believe, atmospherically speaking, until we finally have diminished down to a place where human life is not sustained like it was back in those days. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. The world we live in today is not the world God wants us to live in. But it's not part of the plan. The world we live in today is not God's best. But you and I are here to reverse the curse and declare the power of God to every painful circumstance that anybody might be walking through. Because we are here, there is hope. The church is in the way of the plans of the enemy. Let's be more effective at being in the way and declaring the curse can be reversed into the blessing in Jesus' name. Let me correct myself. I found my notes. I'm a little crazy this morning. 13,000 tomatoes, 30 feet high tomato plant, six months. Fantastic. Job, let's start in the book of Job. 
I have about two hours to go. Job 1, 13 to 15. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. Uh, they put the servants to the sword and I'm, all, I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. This is what I've learned when bad things happen in our lives. There's always one person the devil leaves alive to come make you miserable. And so here's the scenario that happened. Job, this is where it all began. We read this in scripture and we see, wow, all of a sudden, you know, here's Job. He was going to church. He was praising God. He was paying his tithes. He was gladly serving the Lord, but trouble came. And it's the age old question that all of us want to know in a world where God is God. Why do bad things have to happen to good people? And I can't explain to you why Tracy and I lost our first child when we were pregnant. And I believe we're going to have our son. I can't give you understanding for that, but what I can tell you is even when I don't understand, I still will embrace my God and allow His grace to abound in my life. How about you? Here's the thing naive Christians do. We find something we don't understand, so we abandon what we do understand because of what we don't understand. Don't do that. God is good. God is awesome. God is wonderful. God is amazing. God is loving. God is desiring to draw us into a deeper place of relationship with Him. I know that. I understand that. Just because I don't understand something will not cause me to abandon what I am certain about in God. Job stayed the course. Now, careful. Oversimplification of life's very complicated problems is not a good thing. Shame on us Christians for always trying to oversimplify everything. I promise you in this political season we're coming into, you're going to hear me say this a lot, stop oversimplifying very elaborately complicated problems. You cannot have all the facts. Do you agree? We, none of us can have all the facts, yet we talk like we have all the solutions. You don't know. Don't oversimplify people's problems. Don't oversimplify political issues. Don't oversimplify somebody's pain. For God's sake, don't oversimplify somebody's pain. Job shows us in Scripture, very important, honest pain surrounded by conventional religious wisdom can be very frustrating and deepen our pain. People do not need to hear your simple cliche responses to their deep seated pain. They need to know that you love them, you care about them, and sometimes we don't understand. Hey, we live in a fallen world, but we serve a risen king, and we will look to Jesus to give us the wisdom and the revelation we need to walk this thing out graciously and gracefully. But I can tell you firsthand, when you're going through a painful time of your life, the last thing you need is a bunch of that cliche stuff. I, you know, when, when Lexi was in the hospital and, and we're up there, it's like touch and go, and, and is she going to make it? And I mean, crazy stuff that we were walking through. She's this little bitty 